Hi, everyone. Welcome to my uh, broadcast for senior citizens on subjects that concern senior citizens. I'm Janice Wood, and I'm a licensed insurance uh, agent. And I, um, my specialty is Medicare insurances, Medicare supplemental plans, Medicare Advantage plans, and prescription drug plans. Um, next week, I'm going to have a show where I'm going to do a Medicare 101. So if you want to ask me questions, I'm going to have a portion of it where you can ask me some questions about Medicare. But this week, we're going to talk about a real important subject. For me, it's a perfect subject for today. We're going to talk about assisted living. So when we work with our loved ones and we see that they need to go into assisted living facility or a rehab facility, or in my world, it's called a skilled nursing facility, an independent uh, living facility. How do we know what, what we actually need or what our loved ones need? About 13 years ago, I had to make these decisions for my mother and it wasn't easy. I had no idea what I was doing. I knew nothing about anything in this particular area because my background was completely different and it wasn't easy to do. Right now I have a personal friend that I have medical power of attorney for and we've had a really bad experience trying to put her into a assisted living place and just yesterday I we've come to the conclusion she needs to be in assisted living place like right now. So having Donna Rybacki here from American Senior Home Finders. I'm just so happy to be talking with you this morning because, because of what I know I need to do once the show is over with today, okay? And a little bit about Donna and her background. Donna um, was a school teacher. She did uh, kindergarten through eighth grade. Uh, I just learned that she has uh, She's had six children and two of them work with her right now in her, in her business. So my question to you, Don, before we go into assisted living, how did you go from becoming a school teacher to working with people and families on assisted living? Thanks, Janice. It's really awesome to be here. And you know, the way that I transitioned into this was, was kind of interesting because just imagine my life homeschooling and having a family the size that I did. We were active all the time. There was so much going on. We were always busy. And I started, as the kids started leaving home and getting jobs and graduating, I looked into the future and saw I needed a new activity at some point. I began working with a financial advisor that specialized in helping veterans with long-term care benefits. And I found that super rewarding because my father was a veteran and it just seemed fun to talk to these veterans. And at the time, the veterans I was working with were the World War II vets, which had tons of stories that were really awesome. So I started there. And from that, it actually led me into the senior care industry because the people that we were helping get these benefits needed assisted living. So I came into the industry on that and 
from there, you know, I, I began a career in it. So that's it in a nutshell, how I got here. Okay. So let's start with what is the difference between assisted, assisted living, independent living, and, uh, and skilled nursing or rehabilitation, which is the same thing. So what are the difference between those three that we hear so much about? Well, um, I'll start with, so, so basically you've got tiers, you know, of the things that you just mentioned. So when someone has a hospitalization for whatever reason they had, maybe a surgery, it could have been an injury, an illness, from the hospital, they, they have options to go to a skilled nursing or a rehabilitation next. It's one step down in terms of medical treatment. It can be, it's usually a short stay. It could be a couple of weeks. It could be up to a hundred days. You know what Medicare covers. <laughs> yeah, so, Medicare doesn't cover a whole lot. Yeah, so, so what, it's gonna be based on whatever the physician says this person needs this amount of time to rehabilitate or to recover from the surgery or, or whatever it may be. Sometimes victims of strokes might take a little bit longer, but that's the purpose of it. A short-term rehabilitation, getting them back to wherever they are going to be to reintroduce them back to life. So that could be, they're gonna go home next. Um, or if they need help, sometimes they'll go to assisted living, but that's what skilled nursing is. It's a step down from a hospital, nurses and doctors work there, and that, that's the staff. They're there to provide medical care. <clears throat> Independent living is senior living, but it's different from just renting an apartment somewhere, okay? It's community living. You've got many people that are living in the same building, but individual apartments. Some of the independent living communities will also provide some meals. Um, you're generally gonna have a way to cook in your, in your apartment as well, but you'll have choices. What's nice about independent living is that they have 24 hour supervision. It's not care, but there's someone on the premises. So if you need help, you push a button and there's somebody that can come and help you. They also have activities and they have transportation. So it, it helps someone who might be isolated, you know, in an apartment situation, it helps them to be more in a community situation with support. So that's like your first step of not living just by yourself. Okay. Then assisted living adds in caregiving caregiving duties. So there's caregivers that are on the premises. You'll be evaluated for what care you might need. So whatever it may be, they can help you with it, whether it's just help, you know, someone to stand by when you're in the shower, just in case, uh, someone to help you, like, let's say you're recovering from a surgery or an injury, somebody to be there to help you get dressed, all kinds of different things that they can help you with on daily activities. And there's 24-hour supervision, 24-hour care. They provide meals, transportation activities. And one of the most important things I feel about assisted living is the environment because you're now in a social environment, right? Um, something that maybe people don't always realize is that as a person ages, 
and they they let go of some of their independent skills like people stop driving maybe they're 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 just not feeling great about driving anymore so that's one step away from society right they're not driving so they now have to depend on people sometimes they don't want to but it starts a process of isolation so they don't go to the bank very much they you know they don't go to the grocery store very much people might have to bring them things maybe they'll stop going to church so these things start to occur in life and then it goes on and on after one year it gets worse and then after two years it gets even worse so what is great about assisted living is that they're going to help you reconnect with those things because they're going to provide you with transportation they'll drive you to church they're going to bring activities into the community that you might have already been doing before you were not able to on your own so it's it's more than just caregiving it's a whole it's a whole society i feel brought to you and i i think that's what makes people thrive and do well in that environment that's that's really interesting do they also help with um like dressing does a person in assisted living can they if they need assistance in dressing or bathing will they help with that and taking medications that's the yeah. other thing that's important yes. So one of the really important things is that medication factor, because it's very important that that people that are on medications take them at the right times, right? And the right amounts. And sometimes just maybe your your sight isn't as well as it used to be. So you're not able to like manage those pills. The assisted living communities are definitely charged with that responsibility. And they are going to manage it, organize it, reorder it for you, bring it to you when it's time to take it. And all of that is really an important part of it, yes. And in terms of the other things, they're gonna help you with anything you need. And they're going to keep you as independent as possible while doing that. Mm -hmm. right? So it's like, if you only need parts of what we just talked about you know some of those things and that's the service you're going to get you're going to get only what you need nobody's going to force all of this onto someone it's just an as-needed thing okay and i know when i went out with my with my friend and we were looking at assisted living facilities they had different levels okay yep. of care so it's it's just really important you know what your level of care is now i know medicare does not cover any assisted living right so a lot of people think that medicare is going to cover it no they're right. not going to do that but one of the i find that it's it's really expensive okay so how do you help people select the steps they should be on, all right? As a broker, you represent many different um, institutions, okay? Or facilities, I think is a better word for it, okay? And so how do you help someone select what it is, what level of care they need in this assisted living facility? Well, it's a process. Um, it begins with finding out why this is even a topic, you know, what is causing someone to think that assisted living is their next step. So that reason 
Let's say it's gonna be because they had some falls and now they're really not safe by themselves and they need that support that we were talking about where someone's there 24 hours, not invading their space, but in the building, like outside the door, ready to come in if you need the help. So that is our focus. How do we support that reason that someone needs that extra care? Then we have to discover what exactly is the care. Is it the bathing? Is it transferring? Is it toileting? Which you know, parts of those activities do they need help with? That's where the levels are determined, right? So once we figure that out, then I know because of my training where they're gonna fall. I can estimate for them the costs. I don't quote the cost, but I can say, all right, I believe this is gonna be around this much. But the other factor is really what is their budget? That is the most important or not the most, the most important is their care, but the budget is second most important because they have to be able to afford it. So we discuss, I might say, I think that your needs are gonna cost around $4,000 a month. And it could go up if the person you know, requires more assistance down the road. I'm generally talking with spouses, family members about it. Um, so what they need to do at that point is they have to talk amongst themselves and figure out how is this gonna be supported? It can be supported with long-term care insurance. It can be supported with, you know, people that have um, pension, social security. We basically need to talk about that. I would say in Orange County, the average cost of an assisted living stay is going to be around $4,000, $4,500. That's just the average. It's gonna go up, not necessarily down, um, but we, so we do that. That's the process. We have to find out the needs. We have to find out the budget. And then basically we go to work looking for that appropriate place. You know, we're gonna talk about uh, location in the, in the county, where would they like to be? We wanna make sure that the place is gonna be someplace where the family is gonna to want to come, right? So appealing to the family, places where they can meet together, It's cause it's gonna be someone's new home. You want the visitors to come as much as possible. So these are some of the things, you know, the important parts that we take into consideration before we go looking. Now, I know I have two questions to ask you from what you just said, okay? okay. One of my questions is, is, you know, looking at the knees. I have a friend whose father has either advanced dementia or advanced Alzheimer's. It's there. The mother doesn't want to let the father go to an assisted living place because she's afraid to let go. I mean, I think they've been married 67 years. It's really difficult, okay? Yes. And because of what's going on with the pandemic, which leads me in, she's even more afraid to move her husband into an assisted living place. So I just gave you two different scenarios in one, okay? So, I mean, so how does this get handled? Well, so the, the first thing we can talk about is dementia and Alzheimer's care without the pandemic. Let's just say in general what we are looking at. If the home environment is not helping support that person to the best 
degree, that's when you need to look at alternatives. People with dementia and Alzheimer's have certain uh, manifestations that occur and family members often, I would say 98% of the time are not qualified or trained unless they've taken training to understand how to help them. So what happens is there develops this opposition, not because somebody wants it, but because the person with Alzheimer's is having this difficult time over here. The family member's trying to get something done, like possibly get them ready for a doctor's appointment, right? right. And, and there's a conflict. And the way, you're, the way that families can tend to automatically handle it are really opposite of how they should be handled. Nobody's fault. It's just part of the, the family's not understanding enough. And I, I watch it all the time and it really kind of gets to be sad. And I know that wives and husbands especially feel so obligated to taking care of their spouse forever. And when this kind of situation comes about, that's where that, that guilt comes in. I don't want to do it. I can't separate myself from my husband or from my wife. Yes. However, their well-being is what really needs to be looked at. The well-being of the husband or the wife. These communities that are specializing in dementia care do ongoing training all the time. The best ways to communicate with someone who doesn't want to take a shower, the best ways to communicate with somebody that needs to get dressed but doesn't want to, right? And they take as much time as they want and need to help that person. Whereas in a home situation, you might not feel like you have enough time to handle what's in front of you. You might start forcing them to do things. Then they get all upset, you know, all these different things happen, but we can, we can help someone understand what would change if they move to a different environment and how that would actually maybe calm the whole situation down. It's really for the benefits of the affected person, you know, the person affected with the dementia. During COVID, we're doing a lot more evaluation. So we may evaluate the situation and ask the family to keep that person at home for a little longer and maybe bring in some in-home support. It's really tricky because they, inside of the communities right now, they are definitely protecting the seniors from outside interaction, right? So the visitations are limited and they might even be taking place in an outdoor environment like a, a courtyard. There's not going to be any physical interaction, you know, between the family members, but it's for the protection of the person living in assisted living. They don't want someone who's out and about in the society to bring any kind of illness in. And that's why they're doing it. So we have to evaluate it pretty, pretty uh, efficiently right now. Okay. Now, when you meet with the families, okay, do you, um, now during this pandemic, are you meeting with them in person? Are you meeting with them via FaceTime, Skype, Zoom, whatever? I mean, because not everybody uses this type of uh, social media for meetings. So how are you meeting with people now to make these decisions? Well, many times it's going to be a single daughter-son 
um, spouse, I can have a phone call. I can do a lot over the phone. When it's a family situation, we have been doing Zoom and it's been working out pretty good because that way I can see the whole family and everybody can see me and there can be a lot of interaction. So we've been doing it those two ways most of the time. I'm not meeting people in person um, and I'm not able to go to the communities myself right now, but I'm directing people, you know, I can direct them. So when they go to these communities, okay, they've met with you, you've, given, you've talked about what they should be looking for, which, what, which I wanna to touch on, okay? Um, so when they go in there, what should they be looking for if you're not there to help guide them? One of the key things that we want them to look for and, and these visits currently are limited, all right? Usually we would want them to look at the residents, like as they're walking through the hallway, how do people look? Do they look like they're being well cared for? Do they look happy? Do they look neglected? You have to visualize that could be your mom over there and how do you feel that person looks? The environment of course needs to be clean, there's always that smell test when you walk in, right? What does it smell like? It should smell fresh and clean. They should have that happening. The other things are gonna be more personal that are gonna come about from the conversation in terms of the care. So when you're on that visit, whether it's a virtual visit or an in-person visit to a community, you wanna discuss the daily routine that your loved one has now and how is that going to look once they move here? How are you going to keep their routine in and how are they gonna to respond to different needs that they have? We're trying to uh, discuss scenarios so that both sides can get a good idea of what's going to be needed and also what's gonna be expected. Very good. Right now, I wish we were open for, for questions for you because I'm sure people have a lot of questions to ask you. Um, when, now, sometimes these assisted living places, they will have a beautician or bring in people to do nails. I know that's a big, big thing that I miss in life right now. Uh, having your hair done makes you feel better. Uh, exercise programs. So do they have these types of programs in assisted living places? It keeps the, the individual's mind and body moving. Yeah. You know, I, I feel that the people that live in assisted living have it made because all of those things are there <clears throat> and they're scheduled. And all you have to do is show up, which is, <laughs> we have it a little more, you know, we have it more difficult. We have to make the appointments. We have to drive to the places and we have to go do it, right? right. All of this is done in-house. So it's very nice. Um, exercise is an important part of everyone's day and it's, it's there. Sometimes they're gonna have it seven days a week, but most of the time, five. In addition to group exercise, which keeps the body moving and things flowing, if someone is rehabilitating from an injury or an illness, then there's gonna be an extra set of things there that a physical therapist is gonna bring on for them. And the caregivers are gonna help them with it. The physical therapist would come in and help them with it. So those things are really brought in and yes, you can get your hair done, you get your nails done. There's usually a masseuse somewhere close by that's gonna give you a massage if you need it. It's, it's, 
it's living the best, I feel, because all of those things are already built in. Now, one of the things that you and I talked about the other day was that when people go from, say, living by themselves into an assisted living place, that you, you felt that things started improving. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So can you clarify that a little bit more? Definitely. So in the very beginning, there's always a little bit of, um, I don't want to say... So, so just a little bit of anxiety over change, right? Here's someone that's been living in their home 45, 50 years. They're now moving to an environment. There's all these new changes. So what happens is the community understands that as well. And they are going to assign one or two people that are gonna walk them through and kind of orient them to things for a couple of days. Sometimes it's even a week or two. So the community is on board to say, all right, Betty, we're ready for you, okay? We've got your favorite foods ready for lunch. You know, this is what we're gonna do this afternoon. We're gonna take a walk in the garden and they help transition that person so they don't feel alone. But here's the fun part about this. It has been proven by statistic that within three months of a stay, like a move from home to assisted living, the person is doing better physically, mentally, spiritually, and those are statistics. That's not just me saying it. These are people that have done research over and over and it still remains that the transition isn't that long. I mean, that's 90 days and they start feeling better because they have the support, Janice. That's why the support they need is there. It's not being forced on them. Um, it's not burdening anybody and it's not burdening family. So everything raises, like all of those things that I just mentioned get better physically, mentally, spiritually, all of that gets better. That's really great. Now I have one more question because we're going to start running out of time in a second. Okay. Well, actually I have two more. All right. One, what if you're a couple? Okay. You've lived in the same house for 40 some years and all of a sudden you're finding it really difficult you know, to be in the house and your children are saying you need to move to assisted living or, you know, any combination of things. As a couple, do assisted living places have uh, accommodations for couples? Yes, they do. And, you know, it's, so it can be done in many ways. It depends. Do they want, you know, they can, they have one bedrooms, they have two bedrooms. Um, sometimes I've actually placed couples with different needs in different parts of the community. Like one couple I had, one person had dementia and they needed the care from the dementia unit and the other one was independent. So we, we got them, this was so much fun. We got them an apartment in a, in a corner of the building where it was just one walk around the corner and walk through a door from their apartments. So one was able to have the dementia care they needed and the other one was in the independent and they were able to co-interact with activities but still get the care they needed. It was pretty fun. So yeah, they have accommodations for couples for sure. There is accommodation for couples. Yeah. Now real quick, I wanted to talk about how do, what are some of the ideas that people use to pay for this? You mentioned that it can cost $4,000 a month I know some places cost more than that. So how do people pay for this? 
Well, um, it starts with your social security. Um, there are benefits for veterans of a war period. There's definitely uh, certain eligibility points, but if there's a veteran that is served during a period of war and they meet the criteria, there's money that comes to them from that. Often that's uh, something that occurs. People have savings or they have homes. Sometimes people can reverse mortgage their home. If it's a spouse situation, right, where one's at home and the other needs assisted living, they can use that. Long-term care is also very common and popular in terms of paying for long-term, you know, paying for that. But it's, it is an out-of-pocket expense. Yeah, I know, I know one of the things that you can do if you have that insurance policy, a whole life insurance policy that has, I'm going to call it equity in it. Right. You can start using some of that to pay for the long-term care so that people may have bought life insurance policies when their children were younger and all of a sudden it's just sitting there doing nothing and it, you are able to use it. So that's another idea. I that is another idea. And, and there is a uh, state program for people that are on Medi-Cal. Um, it's a very specific program. It's A to B. There's no, you know, it's not something that you can't access. It just gets backed up, you know, many people are waiting for the spots in those programs. So it's very specific. Okay. So those are all the ways that, I, that people pay. So I'm gonna bring up right now um, how to connect with Donna or myself, okay? It's up here. And um, Donna had an excellent idea and she's coming back on November 12th, right before the big holiday season starts. And we see our loved ones. Maybe we haven't seen them for a couple of months. So she's gonna talk about at that time, how, what you should be looking for. Or if you notice these changes in your loved ones that you feel they're not right for them, okay? Or it can even be a friend that you're seeing. So she's gonna be back on November 12th, which is a Thursday again at 10 o'clock. I'm really excited about having her here. And up here, you see, this is how you can contact, contact Donna. She's um, really easy to talk with because I we've just met each other over the last couple of months and it's been um, a really good association for me to, to meet with her because I have so many uh, people that are going through this. And then right after this is over, I'm, I need her advice, okay? And this is how you contact me if you need anything. And if you do go into a long-term care facility, you may want to be looking at a Medicare policy that um, makes sure that your, your drugs and everything are correct. So you should contact me over um, what it is you need in a long-term care facility on your medical part. We didn't even get to that today. So um, uh, ideas, if you don't have a chance to write it down. I love my phone. I could take a picture of anything. So take a picture of the screen and um, please contact Donna if you need her. And 
Thank you so much, Donna, for being with us. I'm looking forward to doing working with you again and having you as my guest on November 12th. Um, and I will be talking with you real soon. And thank you, anybody, everybody that participated this morning. Thank you. Thank you, Janice.